I think there's some people that are a little bit tired because they watched a little basketball game that went into uh, late night hours, early morning hours. All right, the rest of you are going to watch a game this afternoon, and hopefully that other team will win. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, that is right in the middle of your Bible. Actually, uh, it's a center chapter of all of, of Scripture, so if you don't know where it is, just open right up to the middle, and hopefully your Bible will flop open right there. Uh, we have been in the Psalms for quite a while, for a couple months, and it's been the season of uh, where we have just grown in our knowledge of the Lord and knowing Him, and not just uh, knowledge in our minds, but a heart knowledge and knowing Him and intimacy uh, with Him. And it has been so good as we have gone through so many Psalms just to see the Lord in a new way, and to encounter Him as we've been slowly reading them, encounter Him in a different way than maybe we have encountered Him before. And so this morning we're going to be in the first 18 verses of Psalm 118, and then next week we'll be in the end of the chapter. Let's read uh, Psalm 118 together, uh, not out loud all together, but just listen and ask the Holy Spirit, uh, what verse does He want you to focus on this morning? How does the Lord want to speak to you through His Word? Because we believe that this is alive, that this is active, that this is the very word of God coming from his lips to us. And so let's just quiet our hearts. Let's read Psalm 118 and just focus on that passage that sticks out to you. The writer says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. So I just ask, what verse stuck out? Just I want you to focus on that right now in the quietness of this moment. And even ask the Lord, what does he want to say to you through his word?
sound of silence is actually a beautiful thing. I have four kids in my house. I don't get that that often. <laughs> but I'm wondering, what if anybody wants to shout out just a, a verse, just a, a section of Psalm 118 that, that stood out to you. You don't need to explain why, but is there a section of this passage that stood out to you? Just to maybe shout out the section. Verse 6. Go ahead. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Verse 5. I heard another one. For he is good. Yeah. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I mean, that can be a foundational verse for our lives. That that is our, our purpose for life. That is the reason that we're alive. The reason that we have been saved is to recount the deeds of the Lord, the mighty one who saved us. That's absolutely powerful. One more. In your distress, you called out to the Lord. That's awesome. And what did you say? Twelve. Twelve. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. It's absolutely powerful, you know, just to sit. Sit alone with the word and allow allow God through the power of the Spirit to speak to us. And this is something that I have been reminded of as we've been going through the Psalms, is just the power of the Word of God, that it is living and active. And I've said that before, it is, it is something that, that the Lord sp- has used to speak to people over and over and over again, because it is His Word. And this uh, past week, I was sitting with this Psalm, Psalm 118, and I couldn't get past verses 6 and 7, where it says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. And I just had this feeling of like, the psalmist, whoever wrote this, there, um, there was so much confidence in that statement. I will look in triumph on those who hate me. And I'm like, what, what, what allowed the psalmist to write that? How did the psalmist get to that point where they had so much confidence that they could say, I shall look on in triumph on those who hate me. And how did other people in Scripture have so much confidence to do what they did? Uh, For example, King David, when he was before Goliath, how did he have that much confidence to go out and fight Goliath? Or those young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who did not bow down to the king's statue, but stood strong, confidently in their Lord? Or Stephen, the, the young man in Acts 7, who was boldly declaring the good news of Jesus, all while rocks were being hurled at him. How did he have so much confidence? How did Paul have so much confidence that, so that he could say, the purpose of my life is to live as Christ and to die is gain? How do people throughout this book get so much confidence, have this confidence that they could say, I will look in triumph on those who hate me? And on Monday, I wrote on my whiteboard in my office the phrase that is just above this. It says, the Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. And I just looked at that phrase, and I was really asking the Lord the question, what does this mean? But what does this mean for for me, for us? What does this mean that the Lord is on my side, that God, you are on my side? Because who is on our side makes all the difference in the world. I had this picture of of college, and I was in, uh, when I was in college, um, I, my mouth got me in trouble a couple times, and I have only been in one fist fight in my whole life. And it was in seventh grade, and it was with my best friend, and he said something, and I can't even really call it a fist fight because I was the only one who swung, and I missed. 
so I don't know if that even counts, but in college I said a couple of things that got some guys upset with me, and they approached me, and I was standing there, and there were two gentlemen right in front of me, and I was nervous. I was a little scared. I'm not the biggest guy, you know, but I, I was a little nervous, and I'm like, okay, what are they going to do? And then in that moment, somebody tapped on my shoulder, and I looked, and it was my roommate who was quite larger than myself, and I'm like, all right, now I got this. And then a little bit later, another guy tapped on my shoulder, and it was my sweet mate, and he is bigger than my roommate. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're not going to mess with me now. And there was a confidence that rose up inside me because of the guys who were on my side. And as a married man now of 17 years, I can honestly say, if my wife is on my side, I can conquer any mountain. It is so important who is on your side. And here the writer of the psalm says, the Lord is on my side. And so often I think that when we think of this phrase that the Lord is on my side, we're thinking of his presence, of him being with us. And that is absolutely true. When the Israelites were going into the promised land, God speaks to Joshua and says, do not be afraid. Be strong, be courageous. Why? For I am with you. I love the picture that that we see in 2 Kings 6 of, of Elisha the prophet Elisha, the, the nation of Israel is at war with the Syrians. And the prophet Elisha gets pictures and, and visions and, and, and of where the king of Syria is moving his men. And so he tells the king ahead of, of the king of Syria. And so the king of Israel actually knows what's going on. And the king of Syria is absolutely upset. He's like, what's going on? How is this happening? And somebody says to him, it's Elisha. It's the prophet in Israel who can see everything that is going on in your life. He can see your thoughts. He, can know, he knows what's going on in your bedroom. I mean, he says, this is what Elisha sees. So the king of Syria was so upset, and he sends his, his guys to surround Elisha. And look at what happens. Flip over to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. The nation of Israel, the army of, uh, not, I'm sorry, of, Israel, of Syria is all around Elisha's house. And he sends out his servant in verse 15 of 2 Kings 6, and he says this, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? I don't know about you, I would have said something different then. Just what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid. Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What an amazing picture. Here was Elisha, here was his servant, surrounded by this nation of of Syria, but around them were horses and chariots of fire that were with them. And this is such a beautiful reminder that wherever we go as followers of Jesus, that the Lord is with us. Psalm 34 says, the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And it's a beautiful picture that the Lord is on our side, that the Lord is with us. But for me on that Monday, last Monday, when I was looking at my whiteboard with the phrase, the Lord is on my side, it brought deeper feelings than just God being with me. Because you and I know that somebody can be with you, but not fully believe in you. And so for me, in that moment on that Monday, it was like the Lord was speaking to my heart, saying it's not just me being with you, it's me believing in you. 
See, I get this picture that the Lord is on my side. When I see that, when I hear that, I get feelings of somebody who has my back, somebody who is in my corner, somebody who believes in me, somebody who is cheering me on, somebody who, who knows that I have what it takes to do what he has asked me to do. And it's not because of my strength, but it's because of his spirit that he has put in me. So the Lord is on my side. Yes, he is with me, and he also believes in me. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And there are some of you in this room who somebody has never said that they believe in you. You have heard negative thing after negative thing from people outside the church and people inside the church. And I want to tell you that the Lord is not only with you, but he believes in you. The Lord is on your side. We have gone through many psalms this last seven months. And this morning I want to remind us of the one who is on our side by giving a little recap of all that we have learned through all the psalms that we have been through about the one who is on our side, the one who is on your side, the one who is with you, the one who also believes in you. This is the one who is on your side. Psalm 138 says, the Lord who is on your side is faithful and pursues you with his steadfast love. He's great, but he is with the lowly and the humble. Psalm 145 The Lord who's on your side is great, so great. His greatness is unsearchable. He's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's good to all. His kingdom is everlasting. The one who's on your side is the one who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is within them. He sets the prisoner free, opens the eyes of the blind, and upholds the widow and the fatherless. The one who's on your side heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and gives them their name. He's abundant in power, and his understanding is beyond measure. He takes pleasure in those who fear him, who hope in his steadfast love. The one who's on your side is worthy of all praise, of all creation, but he's also the good shepherd who leads you for his glory. He's the one who is with you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table before you when you're surrounded by your enemies. He is your friend, Psalm 25 says. Psalm 27 says, the one who is on your side is your light, your salvation, the stronghold of your life. He is so glorious and great, but also invites you and I to dwell with him and to gaze on his beauty all the days of our lives. The one who is on your side, his glory is above the heavens, but he's also mindful of you. And he cares for you. So much so that he cleanses you and I completely of our sins through Christ Jesus. He creates in us a clean heart and renews a right spirit in us. He restores unto us the joy of our salvation. The one who is on your side and my side is our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, our shield, our stronghold, our salvation, our support. He hears you, rescues you, renews you, delights in you. He lightens your darkness. His way is perfect. His way is true. He equips you for battle. He avenges your enemies. And he is worthy not only of the words of your mouth, but also the meditation of your heart. That is the one who is on your side. So often I think we, we don't clearly see the power that we have of the person who is on our side, who's not only with us, but also believes in us. And when we realize that, the Lord is on our side, it changes absolutely everything. There's a confidence that rises. That's why the psalmist was able to say, you know what, trust in the Lord more than you do a person. It's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in a man. It's better to trust and take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Because why would you trust in a man? Why would you trust in a prince when this is the one who is on your side? The one that I just articulated. 
This changes absolutely everything because when you encounter the Lord, when you encounter his love, his grace, and realize that his love is steadfast like the psalm says, that his love is unchanging like the psalm says, it never grows weary, it's strong, it's safe, it's secure. There's a confidence that rises, a confidence not in our own ability, our own strength, but a confidence that comes from knowing Christ, a confidence that comes from the cross of Christ, what was done on the cross of Christ, and that cannot be undone. Proverbs 3 says, the Lord is your confidence. So who's on your side? Because so often, we want the benefits of the Lord being on our side without fully believing in the Lord. We want the benefits of the Lord being right here without fully surrendering to him and making him the Lord of our lives. Because this is true, the Lord is on your side, but it is only true for those who are in Christ Jesus for those who have fully given their lives to him. Who's on your side? I look out at all of us here, and there are so many of us that have battles every day, that are facing battles every single day, that have enemies that we face. And for some of you, those enemies are external. You can see them. There's a relationship issue. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe it's sickness. There are issues in your life. There are enemies that you face on a daily basis. But for some of you, the enemies that you face are not external, but are internal. It's the soundtrack that goes over and over and over in your mind. It's maybe something that somebody said years ago to you, and you hear it over and over and over. When we face those battles, when we face them head on, yes, they are strong, yes, they are powerful, but they are not as powerful as the one who is on our side, the one who is with us. So again, I ask, who is on your side? Who is on your side? Who are you looking to for strength, for support? Who is on your side? And when we have the Lord on our side, the result of that should be a confidence that grows in us. And it's a confidence, first of all, in who we are. I'm so amazed at my life and others, I'm sure of you can, can sympathize with this. We can hear 99 awesome comments about us, but we hear one negative comment Which one do you focus on? You focus on the one. And we are so quick to like be consumed with what does this person think of me? What is this person saying about me? Or what is this, what do we think this person is saying about us? We are so consumed with what others say about us or what we think others are saying about us. And what we miss is the one who says, the one whose opinion is the most important. See, there should be a confidence in who we are in Christ that rises when the Lord is on our side because if you are in Christ, if you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, this is who you are. You are a child of God. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are free. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are adopted. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are righteous. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a saint. You have been washed, cleaned, sanctified. You are set apart. You are a co-labor. You are a sweet aroma. You are never alone. You are a masterpiece and you're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That is who you are because of the one who is on your side, the one who redeemed you, the one who paid his life for you. There should be a confidence when the Lord is on our side, when we see that phrase, there should be a confidence that rises in us in who we are. Not because, again, we're so great, but because of his great work in us. But there should also be a confidence in what we do. I was struck by this other section of Psalm 118. Look at verses 10 through 12, 10 through 13. It 
says all nations. It's almost to say, and all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. We get this picture of a person who's in trouble. Enemies all around, pushed so hard that he was falling. And what does he say? He says, in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. It wasn't his strength, it was the name of the Lord, the Lord's strength that did this, but there was still a part that he had to play. See, so often, I think, when we're surrounded by our enemies, often our reaction is, God, you have to do something. God, you have to step in and do something. The battle is yours, yes, but you've got to come in and do something, and I believe that the battle is the Lord's. But there are times when he calls us to do something as well. See, too often, I think we're asking the Lord to do something that what, to do something instead of just doing what he has given us the authority to do. We pray and we say, Lord, you've got to step in. And it's like we're praying and we're asking. And he's like, I've given you the authority to do this. We shouldn't ask or pray for God to step in and do something when he has given the authority, like it says here, to stomp on our enemies. But it's not our strength, it's the Lord's strength. It says, in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. God is all-powerful. God is all, you guys, strong. And he says to us, authority I've given to you, now go. Luke 9, he speaks to the disciples and he says, I give you authority, now go. Cast out demons, heal the sick, proclaim the good news of the kingdom. In Luke 10, he says to the 72, authority that I've given to you, now go. Proclaim the good news of the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. And they go and they do that. They do it in the name of the Lord, but it's them who are going forward in the authority that the Lord has given them and doing the things that the Lord has asked them to do. See, so often we're waiting for God to step in when he has given us the authority and the power to do that. In Acts, we see the disciples going all around proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick in the name of the Lord, but they're doing it. They're praying for people. They're laying hands on the sick, and they're praying for people in the name of the Lord. There is power that the Lord has given us. And too often, I think we're waiting on him to step in when he's like, I've given you that power. Now just step forward in your authority and do what I've asked you to do. There should be a confidence when the Lord is on our side. There should be a confidence in what we do. I've asked Jen Gruppin to come up and to share a couple, to share some things in her life, some ways that she has experienced the Lord on her side and the power of that in her own life, but also through uh, in others as she has prayed for people. So welcome, Jen Gruppin. How are you? Good. So the verse that really stood out for me um, as I've been in Psalm this week um, is but in the name of the Lord. And I'm not up here in my own strength. When Dave asked me to do this, I don't really want to do this. But God kept telling me I needed to do it. And I all week long when my flesh was weak and I was nervous, I just kept saying, but in the name of the Lord. There is such power in the name of the Lord. My flesh gets scared. My flesh gets nervous. My flesh goes into anxiety and worry, not just about this, but just normal life. And I had, God has done such a powerful work in me. I used to battle such fear and worry, um, anxiety, but I've learned that there is such power in the name of the Lord to defeat those things. 
um, back in 2007, my husband um, was a realtor and the market tanked and we didn't have money coming in. And so I thought it was kind of my job that I had to worry. Um, I had to figure out how are we, what are we gonna do? What job should we do? Um, what should we do next? So I tried to do it in my own strength. I tried to take control, I tried to come up with good plans, um, but I would lay in bed at night and just worry, get anxious. We all, we all know how that um, record plays in our head, especially at night. And I thought it was my job that I had to figure it out. Um, but God um, hit me with Philippians 4.6. One night when I was worrying, I really felt like he said, you need to get out your scripture and you need, you need to pray and you need to get in the word. So Philippians 4.6 says, do not be anxious about anything. And the word anything stuck out to me. That means anything. I thought I had a right to worry. I thought I needed to worry. I thought I needed to take control and figure it out. And God was saying, no, you don't need to be worried about anything. So I just wrote that scripture down. And the next, I surrendered it. I repented of worry. I repented of fear. And I, I went from knowing scripture in my head to learning how to walk it out in my heart, to learning how to walk it out every day. Uh, so I took that scripture, I wrote it down, I placed it in my car, I placed it by my mirror, and I just, when the worry would start coming in, I thought, I just really sensed God saying, you use your authority um, to tell worry to go, to tell anxiety to go. Um, it was, there's, there's, not, um, there's not peace. I know those fruits are not from the Lord. Anxiety, fear, and worry can just paralyze you. Um, so I just started speaking scripture. I started just, the minute the thought would come in, I would say, I will not be anxious about anything, but everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, I give my requests to you, God. And I just, this authority kind of started rising up in me. Um, I remember that morning driving to work and those worry thoughts coming in. I said my verse. And I was like, okay, I, f I felt good. Like three minutes later, the worry thought comes back. <laughs> I said the verse again. And that was a battle the whole day uh, for days to come, but it got less and less. So once it was every hour, then it got to, okay, I'm only having a worry thought every three hours. And then it was, oh, once in the morning. And I, I just think we need tangible ways to use our authority to speak to the enemy and to say, go in the name of Jesus. And I had to say, in the name of Jesus, fear, go. It didn't mean that it went away and stayed away. I, I think that we as Christians have to use our sword. God gives us the sword of the spirit. It's the word, there's life, and there's such power, um, life and death are in the power of the tongue and what we say and when we use God's word, um, it, it, it calmed me, it steadied me. And when I learned how to use my authority and gave it completely over to God and stopped trying to take control of it, God did give me peace. He did cause breakthrough in finances for us. He was just so teaching me how to study myself and use my authority to tell the enemy to shut up. And I just think we need to, I, I, it just brought me such peace to be practical, to take it from even 
take it from the word, and sometimes we read scripture or we walk out of church and we, we have that word and we know it's for us, but how do we walk it out? How do we, when the fear starts coming in or the lies start coming in, we have to take and use our authority that Jesus gave us to tell it to stop. So you, you experienced that in your own life and the fruit that, that came from that and, and the peace that, come, that came, recognizing too that it's an ongoing battle. Um, it's something that we have to do on a daily basis. But you also pray for others, minister to other people. How have you seen this at work in other people's lives as you have prayed for them? Sure. Um, God just stirred in my heart several years ago just this hunger and desire to pray for people. That people everywhere we go, restaurants, Meyer, they need Jesus, they need the gospel. Um, and so I just started having this passion. I, I, God, I want to I wanna encourage people or pray for them. But that's kind of scary um, so I, I knew that as I was walking into Meyer, I gave it to God. God, you do it. I do this in your name. You show me. I trust that you will lead me to who you want me to yeah. touch at Meyer. Um, my flesh is fearful. My flesh is weak. Am I going to say something wrong? Are they going to reject me? Um, are they going to look at me and say, what am I doing? But, but to go in the name of the Lord. And the verse that really, um, means something to me about that is Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, you know, Dave was talking about that earlier. The thing that stands out to me is just the emphasis of is. God is on my side. The spirit of the Lord is on me. I don't have to do this in my own strength. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the suffering and the afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce freedom to the captives, and to open the eyes of the blind. And so it, it is a, a confidence thing that I know when I don't feel I have the strength or I don't have the word. Like sometimes when I pray for people and we're on the prayer team, I, I don't know what to say, but that's why I quiet myself, I steady myself, and God comes through. And God does it. I don't do it in my strength. The Lord, I mean, I, we have to just so be confident. We can get to be so confident in his word. The spirit of the Lord is in me that I don't do it in my strength. He has anointed me to speak and to, to give words for people. He's anointed all of us to do that. To go in, you know, even when we're in our restaurants and we have our servers coming up to us, I, w I love to just pray, God, is there, a, there's there a word for that person? Do they have... Do they need to be encouraged? Is there any one word? And God is faithful to give that. Sometimes I've been off. I mean, but I know that the enemy tries to get me into fear then and discouragement if I'm a little off or a waitress rejects me. But I know that I have to keep going. And God has anointed us all to share the gospel, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers and set captives free. So we go and we do that in his strength. So this is something that you and your husband Mike have been doing for a while. Um, what would you say, and we didn't talk about this, um, what would you say to the person who has never stepped out in this and is saying, well, it's good for you, it's good for your husband, I mean, he's huge, you know, he can obviously do it, um, but they're like, eh, I don't know about me. What would you say to that person, how would you encourage them to take a first step and what would that first step be? I would say the first step is what I had to do to get up here today. You just say, but in the name of the Lord, I choose to do this today. We're, we're making a decision, even though our flesh is screaming at us, and it's scary, and it's fearful, and, but we don't live by our flesh. We don't walk in the flesh, but God tells us to walk in the spirit. So always I just surrender it if I'm at Meyer or at a restaurant, and we'll just say, 
stop and pray or be silent for a minute. God, we give this to you. If, if you want to give us a word, we'll just wait on you. And I've been wrong before. You're, you're going to be wrong at times. I mean, because as I was learning to walk in the spirit and connect with people, sometimes I was off. And I just would even say to them, well, I'm just learning, and I, I just love the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I, I, was there anything we can pray for you for? If I mess up on the word, there's, you'll be amazed that when you talk to people in the restaurants. There, people need prayer everywhere we go. I mean, people in Meyer are lost and hurting. I mean, mm -hmm. us who are out there shopping to just say, hey, could I pray for you about anything? I have found people to be so receptive to that. And it's just a daily, constant thing for me to lay down my flesh and just know I'm going to walk in the spirit, and God, I'm going to trust that you're going to lead the way and that you're going to give me the words. And he does. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. So here's what I want to do. Um, Daniel, why don't you and the worship team come on up? Um, two things. I know there are many here that you're surrounded by your enemies. And there's just it, there's stuff going on in your life. And, and we asked this morning, the Lord, we, we wanted to be really specific with what those enemies, uh, with, with what those enemies are. Like, who... What, like, would you, Lord, would you just give us some words of knowledge regarding who you want us to pray for, um, how you want us to minister to people this afternoon or this morning? And so uh, Stacy's going to come up and share some of the specific words that, that we heard. And so we want to pray for people in the name of the Lord um, and see freedom come, freedom come to the captive, see the, the blind eyes open, see those who are sick um, healed. And so Stacy's going to give those specific words. But also the other side of it, too, like I... Um, I really believe that for so long, and it was true in my life, for so long, uh, I read scripture and I'm like, oh, I wish that would happen today. And I think one of the things that the enemy wants to do in our lives is to keep us from realizing the power that we have. And it's not power in the flesh, it's power that is in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us, is in us. You are, as a follower of Jesus, the temple of the Holy Spirit, lives in you. I think that is absolutely mind-blowing. And when we go about our days, when we walk around, we operate not in our own flesh, but in the name of the Lord, in the power of the Lord, and it's his spirit that is at work in us. And so maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I've never experienced that power working through me. I want more of that. Maybe that's just an invitation for you to come forward and have somebody pray over you. But I'd love for Stacy to share the specific words. And prayer teams, why don't you make your way up as well? Um, I just want to, there's a few of them here. I just want to preface, preface this with, um, all of these words that I have here, the people that gave them to me, um, I feel like almost all of them are like, ah, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm hearing this, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, hey, let's put it on the list because we're going to walk in faith, right? And so I just think sometimes when you, maybe when you're sitting there and you're hearing this and you're thinking like, oh, did they really hear that? I don't know. <laughs> but we want to be obedient with what we feel like the Lord has given us. And so if you're thinking like, oh, I don't hear like that, or I never hear that clearly, like, either do we, right? We're all walking in faith, and we're all trying our best to be obedient with what we hear. And so I just want to encourage you that if 
you think you hear things and it's not always 100% clear, that's okay. We're learning and it's a process. So, um, so here we go. Um, okay, so one of them was for depression and um, specifically dark depression that you just feel like um, you have tried all of the things to get out of it and you just haven't felt release um, from it. We would love to pray for you. Um, he, yeah, we're gonna need more prayer teams. So if you're on the prayer teams, you're gonna need to come forward. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, another one was shame. Um, yeah, for, just for either something that you didn't do, like um, something that either you did do or you didn't do, or like you shame that you didn't follow through on something that you felt like you should have. Um, parenting, um, specifically, um, shame that over something that happened to your kids, um, that you felt like was your fault and, um, either through parenting or through other people. Um, okay. Um, this one was agreeing with the lie that you should have never been born that you feel like an accident and that you feel like you have no hope of ever being worthy of love it's oh, intense <laughs> um, uh, another one was for um, just if you feel like you have been struggling to walk in faith like take a risk that you feel like the Lord has been asking you to do and you've just been really struggling to like take that just first step. Um, we would love to pray for you for boldness to walk on, walk in that. Um, and then another one, which I just think is interesting because Jen mentioned it was um, people struggling to walk in the, um, in the word, like that you have a sword and you know that the word is a sword, but you just don't know how to use it um, in your life. And so, I don't know where she went, but thanks, Jen, because that was just a great example of that. But if you feel like you struggle with that, we would love to pray for that, too. Um, and then sickness that um, you specifically feel like the Lord told you it was a spiritual attack, like sickness that you feel tied to bondage or um, something like that, that you just feel like you haven't been able to um, gain healing from. We'd love to pray for that, too. That's all we have for now. So if any of that resonates with you, um, come on up. We have plenty of prayer teams now. And we'd love to pray for you. Um, and if you are sitting in the pew and you feel like, hey, the Lord is impressing this on my heart for today, come up and share it with us too. Thanks. Thanks.